Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. It's going to be good, all right? Are you guys in Philippians yet? I gave you plenty of time. All right, here we are. We're in our series entitled, Are, are We There Yet? And uh, it sounds like a destination question, doesn't it? It sounds like, hey, have we arrived at this place, you know, this final goal, this final destination? But here's what we've been doing as we've been studying the book of Philippians is uh, we're, we're kind of taking off that verse that we haven't already obtained. We're not already there, but one thing we do, we leave behind those things and we press on uh, toward the upward call in Christ Jesus. But what is that call? Is that call a, a, a place, a destination, or is that call uh, something deeper and richer inside of us? And we believe it's the second. We believe that God is doing a work inside of us as we're here on this planet, as, as we're doing our best to obey him, to serve him, to love him and love others. God's doing a work inside of us. And so the question I propose is this, is uh, are we at a place um, where we can have joy no matter what our challenges, obstacles, or circumstances are? Are we there yet? As Christ followers, as believers, no matter what we're walking through, no matter what we face, no matter what the challenge, no matter what the setback is, maybe it's a, a struggle in your marriage. You ever had one of those married people? Nobody, only me? <clears throat> okay, yeah, two of us. <laughs> me and my wife are the only ones that have struggled, okay. Two only honest people in the church, right. Uh, maybe, maybe you've had some, um, um, some challenges in your singleness. Anybody ever had any challenges in their singleness? Only two people, and they're both single? Hey, don't be single any longer. All right. Um, there's challenges we face, right? But, but here's the thing. Can we get to a place that no matter what the challenges are, that we can have joy knowing that we belong to Christ Jesus? Right? Like, that's the ultimate, right? And, and to me, we talked about this, I think it was in uh, the first part of the series, um, that, that really, to me, you know, we talk about faith a lot in church, and we should, right? We walk by faith, not by sight. When the Son of Man returns, he's going to look across the earth for faith. Uh, but listen to me. I believe that faith is walked out in, in, in a real way on the earth, and that's through joy. And here's what I've come to learn, that really a great test of our faith or a great showing of the fact that we are gods, that we belong to him, is that we can have joy no matter what we're walking through. That we can have joy no matter what we're walking through. And so here we are, we've had some great, uh, great speakers, great communicators over the last couple weeks. I encourage you, go back to our, our, our YouTube channel or our, our, our app, whatever you prefer, and watch those, listen to those, um, because they've been good, they've been encouraging, they've been challenging. Uh, and, uh, but today, my job is to share with you Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 18. Um, Paul, once again, is the one that's writing this uh, letter. We now know it as a book. Uh, he's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's writing to them, really, the, the big picture item here is joy, the, what we just talked about. It's can you have joy in the journey? Can you find joy uh, in, in fulfillment in Christ? And so that's the big picture, but here's the thing you need to understand. Paul is writing this and penning this letter from prison. And so he's not, he's not writing it from this beautiful hotel overlooking the sea. Because I mean, no, it's easy to write about joy when you're there. He's not riding this from some cabin up in the woods with a river running by, right? That, that's easy to write about, about joy there. He's writing it from, from prison, and prisons were a lot different then than they are, than they are today. And this is what he writes in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. 
I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. I don't know about you, but that kind of sounds like a mom and dad who are about to leave their two teenage daughters at home alone for the first time. <laughs> Theoretically. Right? Like, hey, kids, look, you mostly obey me when I'm around. Um, but now that I'm, I'm leaving, like, you're in charge. You need to take care of the house. It's really important that you, that you do everything I've told you to do. This is kind of the way he's talking to them. And, and he's doing it. Remember, he's writing from prison. Why is he writing that? Well, he's writing that because there's some challenges and they haven't been doing what he's asked them to do. And so he has to write it. And he writes like this fatherly, you know, figure, position, saying, hey, you guys, when I'm with you, you obey. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Why is it so important? Here's why it's so important. We're going to see it more as we read on. Is that Paul came to establish one thing and one thing only, and that was the work of Christ. He came to establish Christ as superior. He came to establish the cross of Christ as the ultimate. And so when Paul preached, he didn't preach himself. He didn't preach culture. He didn't preach an agenda. He preached one thing and one thing only, and that was Jesus Christ. And so now when he's saying this, he's saying, hey, guys, now that I'm gone and I've showed you all these things and you did them when I was there and you were doing well, it's even more important now that I'm gone that you do them. And here's why. Because all that you're doing, Christian, all that you're doing, Church of Philippi, all that you're doing, Canvas Church, is displaying something. And it's not displaying Paul's character and it's not displaying Paul's wishes. It's displaying the glory of God. And so now that I'm not with you, it's more essential because people will think that the only reason you were doing it is because I was there. But I want to know that there's been true conversion. I want to know that your heart's truly been touched. And so it's even more important now. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. I want you to highlight that thought. We're going to come back to that. Work hard. It doesn't say work hard to be saved. It doesn't say work hard to get saved. It says now that you are saved, work hard to show the fruit of that. Don't work hard at being super cool. Don't work hard at being super accepted. Work hard to show the results of what Christ has already done. How am I going to do that? Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. How did he do that? How did he give us that desire? Well, we go back to the cross, and Jesus Christ dies on the cross. But the Bible says he gave up his spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. So now the Holy Spirit is actively working in each and every Christ follower, each and every believer, for what? To uh, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So the Holy Spirit is working inside of us so that we can do what pleases him. Verse 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing. This is the Bible. Church. I want you to work hard to show the results of your salvation. How are you going to do that? Do everything without complaining and arguing. Verse 15. 
so that no one can criticize you. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God. Here's what he says. Hey, if, if you live childlike before him, you're going to live a clean and innocent life. He says live, live clean and innocent lives. Hey, let, me, let, me, let me package that up like a child does, as children of God. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Wow. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. He, he, he rewords re, re it here. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Here's what you ought to do then. Hold firmly to the word of life. That's the Bible. That's the word of God. Hold firmly to that. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain. What's he proud of? He's not proud of himself. He's not even proud of the people. He's proud that the fact that the work of Jesus is working. It's working. It's working in hearts. It's working in humanity. It's working in families. It's working in marriages. It's working in single people. It's working in the young and the old alike. I'll be proud. Man, because I didn't run in vain, like it really is working. It wasn't useless, it was fruitful. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life. There he is, he finds joy in prison and he finds joy in death. Pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. I want you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that in the next few moments we have together that God, this word that Paul penned thousands of years ago, God, would come alive in our hearts today. God, it would challenge us, it would enrich us, it would stretch us, and it would cause us to become greater lights in what Paul says here is a crooked and perverse world. God, I pray that each and every one of us would walk away today challenged in some area that we, that we would work hard to show the results of the work that you've already done in our hearts and our lives. God, I pray you'd help me now in the next few moments I have to create a place for people to encounter your son Jesus, know your extravagant love, and understand the amazing plan you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Has anybody ever seen a chandelier before? Oh, maybe this won't work, like only five of you. Like everyone, now I, don't, I don't mean like one of these things. That's not like a true chandelier, but you ever walked into a place? Like, like we have a chandelier in our house. Like, like we built our house, and it's a modern house, so it's a modern chandelier, uh, which means it's just real simple. Um, my wife um, actually found one that she really wanted. Like she was like, that's the one I want. We went to like, a, 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 what was it, Restoration Hardware. I'm like, I can't even afford to walk into the place, Okay. Like I walk in and money just comes flying out of my pockets. I'm like, what's going on? Like, like it's $7,000 for a lamp, you know what I mean? Like, um, and she found this one. She's like, well, they have a discount store. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go to the discount store. And we walk into the discount store and it was like $3,500 for the chandelier. And I'm like, babe, I said, it's not happening, all right? Um, and so I went on to, um, I don't know, some app. I went on Amazon. It was Amazon. How many guys thankful for Amazon? Right? I went on Amazon, and I found one that looked very similar. Oh, you're right. She's shaking her head. No, you're right. The one on Amazon was better. 
for $169. Come on, somebody. And when you're looking at that chandelier from 10 feet away, I'm telling you right now, you don't know if it's Restoration Hardware or Amazon. But my, my chandelier doesn't, I'm, not ta I'm talking about one of those big, grandiose chandeliers, right? Like it's just like all of the, and, and, and everything. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You ever seen one of those and, and then the lights go out on it? And it kind of is just like, there's just a bunch of glass hanging above my head. But when the light's on, it's like, and it's spectacular, and it's, and it's brilliant, and it's awesome, and you want to stare at it, and it's like, wow, that is super cool. Or how about this? Have you ever been there and seen a chandelier where maybe some of the lights are out? And it's got those black spots everywhere, and you're like, they need to fix that, right? See, what, what makes the chandelier so beautiful and so brilliant is the lights inside of it. But here's what you need to understand. The lights aren't the focal point. The chandelier is the focal point. But it's the lights within the chandelier that help bring focus to it. Here's something you need to know today. God called each and every one of us to be lights, not a chandelier. God never intended us as Christ followers and as Christians to be the focal point. He called us to be lights in a dark place to bring focus and attention to the focal point, which is him, Jesus Christ, the chandelier. Here, as, as, as Paul begins to write this portion, I feel like he's trying to bring attention back to the main point, which is Jesus. But he's also trying to instill in them a reminder that, hey guys, listen, you need to work hard at this and you need to understand something, you are shining lights in a crooked and perverse world. In other words, you're the light bulb, but you're not the chandelier. You're a light bulb. You're a light bulb. It, it kind of reminds me of the book of John where uh, John is talking about that, that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Jesus is, is, is the main Thing. Jesus is the one we need to be grafted into. We're just the little branch coming out. It's the same thing here. Listen, Jesus Christ is the chandelier. We're just a light bulb that helps bring attention and focus to him. But make no mistake, if we burn out, there's another light bulb on the shelf. Are you with me? He says this, he says here, I want you to, and to me I'm looking at him as the same thing. I want you to work hard to show the results of your salvation, and then he kind of rewords it. He says, I want you to be bright lights in this world. But listen, he says, I want you to work hard. Work hard. Listen, there's a lot of things we work hard at, isn't there? How many of you guys work hard at your job? <laughs> okay, not enough of you. <laughs> All right. How many of you have a job? Right? Um, you work hard at your job, and you should. Right? You're working for someone, or maybe you're the employer, but, but you work hard at what you do, and, and, and you have an income, but yet that is, that is temporal, but yet you work really hard at it. Some of you work really hard at, at being physically in shape, which is admirable, and we, we want to live long lives, but there's a reason why we want to live long lives, because we want Christ to continue to use us for his glory and his honor. But some of us work really hard 
at, at, at getting in shape, but yet it's, it's temporal. Some of us work really hard at different things, but yet when you sit back for a moment, it's all going to fade away. It's all going to be gone. And here, Paul says, I want you to work hard at something that is everlasting. So my question to you is this, is how hard are you working? I mean, th think about it for a moment. I mean, I like nice things. I li I, we, we built a house, it's beautiful, I love it. And we worked really hard. But when I sit back in light of what Paul is saying here, I think to myself, one day that's just gonna be destroyed. Can't take it with me to heaven. And I'll be honest with you, as your pastor, as I was getting ready, and this was the passage, this wasn't even the original passage, I was supposed to take a different one and got moved to today as I was studying this, I got convicted. I was like, how hard am I really working to show the results of the fact that, man, Christ has done an amazing work in me? I mean, really, how, how much time do I spend doing that? How much time do I spend in the Word, reading, studying, devouring? How much time do I, do I spend making sure that when people look at my life that, man, th th there must be a God in heaven because he ain't that good. Right? He wants us to be those brilliant lights, but how, how hard are we working? And my fear is, not for Canvas Church only, but the church at large, my fear is, is that when people look at the chandelier, there might be some burnt out lights. There might be some black spots. The Bible says that he's returning for his pure, spotless, without blemish church, right? Shine, bright. Reminds me of the words of Jesus as he preached. This is one of the best messages probably ever, right? Uh, Matthew chapter five. And it says this in verses 14 through 16. It says, and you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is, is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, there's the analogy, here's, here's what it means. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Doesn't have a period there. Goes on, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So that everyone will see the beautiful chandelier that is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That we're drawing attention to him. We're drawing focus to him. We're, 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 we're putting it there. It's not, it's not on us. Listen to me. There is so much in this world that draws attention to itself. There, there is so much. Matter of fact, everything in the world right now is built in such a way to bring focus here. And in some ways, let's be honest, it can creep into the church real quickly to where it's no longer about him, but maybe it's about a program, it's about a place, it's about this, this community. And I love our church community, and I love everyone here, and I'm doing my best to pastor, but listen to me, the whole point isn't here, the whole point is him. And yet, yet, yet I fear that sometimes we can get so stuck in building our little empires that we feel the, the, forget that we're actually building the kingdom of God. We're building 
his church. We're building his house. We're building his people. We're building, are, are you with me? We're not building canvas church. We're not building our thing. No, no, we're building his kingdom come. His will be done. Everything we do, do it. Why? So they'll praise Canvas Church. So they'll speak so highly of Pastor Ben and the wonderful staff that is. Now, every, everything we do, we do it so that they'll praise our Heavenly Father. Work hard at that. Work hard at being that light. Work hard. Listen, when, when people come to, to, to Canvas Church, I don't want them to attach themselves to a personality. I want them to attach themselves to Christ Jesus. And yes, within the community that is continually pointing to him, they can grow in that community. But ultimately, when one day God moves them on to another city, another state, another job, another place, whatever, that they won't have hard time connecting because it wasn't about connecting to a person on earth. It was about connecting to him, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what I want. It's what we desire. Paul says, I, I want you to work hard at being this light, not a chandelier. Too many people working at being the chandelier. Listen, I mean, I, I have no problem with, with a lot of the resources that are out there. Podcasts, blogs, social media, on and on and on. Uh, my daughter, uh, my youngest, um, she just got done playing her AAU basketball. And th the whole point of AAU basketball is to get noticed by coaches so they'll recruit you to their college. And um, one thing that I loved about watching my daughter is she had a hard time playing the game that way. She played as a team. Like she played, oh, there's the open person, I'm gonna pass him the ball. There's the open this, where a lot of the other teammates are like jacking things up, like, look at me. Right. And I actually, I actually sat down with one and I was like, hey baby, I need you to be more selfish when you're on that court. <laughs> True story. I was like, cause look, like we've invested some time and some money in this and you need to get a scholarship, cause if not, you can be living on the street cause we ain't got no money, so we need, we need you to get a scholarship, all right? So can you just be a little more selfish? She's like, Dad, I can't. That's not the way I play. I was just like, man, what? What if that mentality was across the board in the church? I, I, I can't be, be selfish. This is not what we do. It's not what we do. It's a good message. This is good. Let me just give you a few, a few thoughts here, uh, straight from these six verses. Paul here gives us some thoughts on how we can be good lights, all right? Straight from this passage, here we go. Number one, obey God. Obey God with reverence and fear. Obey God. That, that's like that's like the ground zero. That's fundamental. You want to be a good light. Uh, you want to work hard to show uh, the results of salvation. Here's where it starts. Obey God. Well, how do I do that? Like, like what, what, what does it mean to obey God? Real simple, it means to obey this right here. This right here. Here's the question. How do you obey something you're not reading? I'm not saying you're not. The same people at other places aren't. 
How do you obey something you don't read? So listen to me. It is impossible for you to obey God if you're not reading the Word. Because that's where it starts. And as you read the Word and you understand the life that He has for you and the way He wants you to live out this life, yes, I know sometimes some of the stuff's hard to understand. Get a, get a translation you understand. New Living Translation's a great one. The NIV's another great one. But also come to church. But also get plugged into a small group. So that when you're like, I'm not sure what Pastor Ben met on Sunday when he said this, then your small group leader can break it open and be like, oh, well, let's look a little deeper at that. Right? But here's the thing. Once you learn to obey this, this is the platform for an incredible world where you begin to hear the voice of God. You say audible? Sometimes it can be. But mostly it's this in intuition. It's really the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is the way. Walk ye in it. But if you want more of that, you've got to get more of this and you've got to obey this. Real simple, it starts with, with obedience. Listen, God is not looking for these big, grandiose ideas and thoughts and, man, if I could just do something really big for God. Listen, that's cool if that happens. But, but, but let me tell you this. If you go back into the Old Testament and the New Testament, these people that did really big things for God read most of their story. It wasn't in the game plan. Paul did not sit down one day and be like, you know what, I'm gonna persecute Christians for this many years, and then I'm gonna have this drastic encounter on the road to Damascus where God's gonna come and visit me, and then I'm gonna do epic things. And if you've never read your Bible, you have no idea what I just talked about. <laughs> I mean, let, let, let's look at the Old Testament. It wasn't like Moses was in the backside of the desert hiding out, thinking, I'm gonna do something really epic for God. Matter of fact, he argued with God four times and told God he's the wrong guy, to the point where God finally got mad and was about ready to kill him. True story. I love what it says. It says, and God's anger waxed hot against Moses. I don't know about you, but you don't want God waxing hot against you. <laughs> Nothing about that sounds good. Are you with me? Like, no. No, I've had some people mad at me before, but God waxing hot, mm, 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 no. No, not good, right? It's not like they have this on their game plan. Here's, here, here's, here's what you got your game plan. I'm just gonna obey God. And wherever that leads me, so be it. God's not looking for you to do something huge. He's just looking for simple obedience. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says this. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offering and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen! That's the way it reads. Obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Just start with simple obedience. You want to be a bright light? What does this say? Let's do that. Let's start there. Secondly, right here from this passage, um, number two, don't complain. Remember when we read that a couple times over? Don't, don't, don't be a complainer. Let's be honest here. I mean, if we look at the Bible, God doesn't like complainers, and most of us don't either. And I really don't. Like, like complaining. Like it does nothing to add value to any circumstance, any situation, or any person, ever. 
I mean, literally, can you think of one instance in your whole entire life where you were complaining constantly about something and all of a sudden like, oh, that really helped my emotional attitude. I feel so much better now. No, you just, you just dig a hole further and further down until now you're complaining about everything. I know this from firsthand experience. Been there, done that. Like you start complaining about everything. Why are you laughing? Right? Complaining. Just don't do it. That's what I said, don't complain. You want to be a brilliant light for Christ? Listen, we have nothing to complain about. No, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. We can look around and it's real easy to find things. You can look around this room right now and find things to complain about. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too dark. It's not light enough. Why was the music so loud? Why can't the music be louder? Why did they sing that song? I don't like that song. It's real easy. But, but, but when you boil it all down, we have nothing to complain about. We belong to Jesus. Don't, don't complain. <laughs> no one likes it. James, the brother of Jesus, who probably had plenty to complain about, wrote this. He said, don't grumble about each other. He was probably writing this to himself. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. He literally might have pointed over at Jesus at that moment, right? Like, don't, don't complain about one another. Don't complain, or you'll be judged. Oh, yeah, he's standing right over there at the door, right? Like, just don't judge. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, uh, 9 through 11, uh, says this. It says, nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did and then died from snake bites. What in the world is this? This is weird. If that's the only part I read, you'd probably leave and like, what kind of a church is that? <laughs> this, is, this is being penned about uh, the children of Israel when they were coming out of, of Egypt in the wilderness and they were complaining. They were grumbling and they're complaining. And they complained and apparently snakes came out and ate them. Wow, or bit them. I might have exaggerated there a little bit. <laughs> but don't complain about it, all right? Um, but they died of snake bites. What? Verse 10. And don't grumble as some of them did. Let me just translate that. That's complaint. Don't grumble as some of them did. And then they were destroyed by the angel of death. Wow. You choose snake bite or angel of death. Whatever. Here's the point. Stop complaining. These signs, people are leaving. They're like, oh, I don't want either of those. <laughs> These things happen to them. As, listen to this part. These things, it's been three weeks since I preached. Can you tell? <laughs> These things happened, listen to this, to them as examples for us. They complained. They died. I'm not complaining. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. In other words, stop complaining. Right? What's the old thought? If you don't like it, fix it. Do something. Don't complain about it. Number three, don't argue. It says it right there. Don't complain and don't argue. Now, I just want you to think back over the last four hours of your morning. Okay? Don't do what happened there. 
We're going to be late. No, we're not. Why do you always make us late? It's the kids. Don't argue. Just don't do it. I mean, I mean, a lot of people stopped watching the news over the last, I mean, you guys just stopped watching the news and just turned it off. I actually watch it for comic relief. <laughs> like, it's the best comedy show out there right now. Because they always put two people with opposing views, and they don't have a civil conversation. They just argue. And it's like, after a while, I'm like, what are you guys even saying? Sometimes I wonder if the, the world is turning on the church and being like, what are you guys even saying? Stop arguing. Stop, stop fighting with one another. Stop arguing. I don't really need to say much more about that one. Just knock it off. Number four, it's right here. Be childlike. Not childish. Be childlike. Now, I know for a lot of us, we'd have to go back and try to remember, but for those of us that, you know, you just watch your little kids, right? Like when you take them to the park, like everyone is their best friend to the point where you have to teach them stranger danger. Come on, somebody, right? But if they see another little kid, they just walk over and they'll be like, hello, what's your name? My name's Johnny. You're my best friend, Johnny. And then they're playing on the playground for hours. And it's just like, who is that? I don't remember, but he's my best friend. <laughs> right? It's so great. They have no worries. They're not, they're not thinking about working hard at a job to pay their bills or their debt because they overextended themselves. They're just being childlike. They're just enjoying things. They just made a new best friend. Be childlike. Be childlike. Stop, stop worrying about things. Be accepting. I mean, when you get adults, it's like you're skeptical of everybody. Someone says hi to you, and you're like, I don't know you. <laughs> Bro, start puffing your chest. Like, oh, why are you saying hi to me? Like, what's your agenda? It's like, I just wanted to play on the playground. <laughs> That's weird, you know, but, but seriously. I mean, look, okay, try this. Okay, I'm going to give you some homework. This week, whether you're at the restaurant, at the mall, or walking on the street, I want you to wave at somebody really, they say, hi, how you doing? <laughs> See, she's, my wife is even saying, no, don't do it. Get childlike, babe, come on. <laughs> Just seriously. Maybe as you're driving down the road, try waving with all your fingers rather than one. I'm just, I'm just saying, right? Like just, there's a reason why people aren't friendly with you as you're driving down the road. You're waving with one finger. Stop it. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I, now probably most of you won't do it, but seriously, try it. Just try it. Just try being friendly to somebody. Next time you're in the store, as you're walking down, shopping for cereal. Like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I love that cereal too. That's a good one. Have you tried this one? Want to be friends? Mark chapter 10, 13 through 16. One day, some, some parents brought their children, it's probably Pastor Katie, to Jesus. So he touched and blessed them, but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. 
Tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. Used it as an analogy. Say, I want you to be like them. I want a child when they come to dad believes they're going to get whatever they ask for. What about you when you go to your heavenly father? Do you believe you're going to get whatever you ask for? Be childlike. I got a couple more here. They're all right here. Uh, number five, hold tightly to the word. Hold tightly to the word. Now, wh now why do we need to hold tightly to the word? It's not, like, it's not like the Bible is trying to run from me. Right? It's not like I have to chase it and I'm like, oh man, come on, come back, word. No, no, the reason we have to hold tightly to the word is because of Matthew chapter 13 says, hey, this is what the kingdom of God is like. The word is scattered and some falls on, on, on the pathway. And what's happening? Hey, Miguel, come on, can you help me out, Miguel? And, it, and it, the one that falls on the pathway, it says it either gets trampled or birds come by and they swoop and they take it away. It's like, well, hey, hey, you look like a raven. A raven. You're a raven, yeah, you're a raven. It's like, what? You, yeah, yeah. Can you make a raven sound? That is, that is awesome. I hope we can just, just fact check that and make sure it's accurate. Um, right? Could you fact check raven sounds? Later. Hey, before this gets posted on the podcast, we need to fact check that, all right? Because um, people will be like, oh, that's not accurate, and they'll start grumbling and complaining. Anyway. Um, and there comes the angel of death. <laughs> so here's, here's what we need to do. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, stay, stay, stay. So the word comes. The reason we have to hold tightly is because there's things trying to take it away. And so what I got, I got, I got to hold on tightly. But it's not just the raven. Stay here, raven. It also said, it also says that some fell on, on like, like not very deep soil, and then the sun came out. And this is my ray of sunshine. Aww. That's robbing me of the word. Yeah. So it's like, whoa! We get distracted, right, by our rays of sunshine. Hello. Okay. Right? And, and so now, now we, got, we got birds swooping in trying to take it. We got rays of sunshine trying to pull it. It's like, what is happening right now? Okay? But, hey, um, Lamar, can you come up here? Come up here. Come on. But it also talks about that some of it fell, and there was thorns that sprung up and took it. <laughs> Yeah, you look like a stinging nettle. That's right. But I got to hold on tightly so when that thorn tries to choke it out, I'm just like, no, it's mine. Hold tight. So I got birds swooping in. I got sunshine. I got thorns. I got all this. And it's not like the Bible's trying to get away from me, but listen to me. There's so much happening in, you are into this character. I love it. I love it. That is amazing. I'm going to use Miguel more. Okay, you guys go, go, go. We've got to use Miguel more often for just stuff. Like, Miguel, next week, dress up as a bear and come out of the tent and scare everybody. 
but, but do it like the bird sound. And that'll really freak them out, a bear sounding like a bird. They'll be like, what's going on? All of these things coming, trying to take what God is doing. And, and here's the thing. It's up to me to hold tightly to the word of God. It's not up to pastor. It's not up to your church community. It's not up to your mom, your dad, your spouse, your brother, your sister, your friend, your small group, your whatever. But you know what? It seems like every, every other place gets blamed when things don't work out. Well, you know, I left the church because they never preached the word there. Really? You're in a church and they never preached the word? You probably weren't in a church then. You were in like a self-help group or something, but it wasn't a church. I got to hold tightly to this. Uh, back to, to Matthew chapter 13. It says, and then there was that which went into fertile soil, and it produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. You're responsible for your soil. If you walk out of here and you say you didn't receive anything today, that's on you, not on me. That's on you, not on the worship team. That's on you, not on the kids' department. That's on you, not on this church. Hold tightly, firmly. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What's happening? What's happening today is this, is people aren't holding on tightly to this. What do I mean by that? Uh, people aren't giving the word of God the value that it deserves. This has become a good idea and an opinion rather than the authoritative word of God. And when this becomes a good idea and an opinion, oh, it's easy for it to get ripped out of your hand. Well, because somebody else will come along, well, that sounds really good. That sounds like maybe I can, maybe I can mingle that with some of this and come up with, so that, that's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. That's what's happening today, though. Too many people, too many churches, too many pastors, too many leaders not holding on tightly to this, not defending this. Not, not giving this preeminence, not speaking to this as, as the authoritative word of God, but hey, you know what? Here's some good ideas today. These aren't good ideas. These are, these, are, these, are, these are the fundamental truths of the word of God. And Paul says if you do these things, so listen to me, not arguing is not, it's just like, it's a good idea for you. It's knock it off. You, you stopping complaining, isn't just, that won't just enhance your life and make it better life for you. That, that means that, man, you actually believe the word of God and that you're doing damage and harm to the kingdom and to the value of scripture if you don't stop complaining. It's the word of God. Stop arguing. Stop complaining. Be like a child. Number six, be faithful. Be faithful. Again, this isn't a good idea. This isn't going to look good on a resume. Like, hey, if you just be faithful... To what you're in now, maybe you'll get a better job. No, if you're faithful, you'll be a light bulb that brings glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Be faithful. Show up when you say you're going to show up. Pay your debt when you say you're going to pay your debt. Be faithful to your children. Be faithful to your spouse. Be faithful to your friend. Don't do lip service because it brings destruction to the kingdom of God, not just your life. Being faithful is not just a good attribute to have. Being faithful brings glory and honor to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.
be faithful. Lastly, I'll just end here. Ben, you can come up because I'm starting to get a little heated. Be funny again, pastor. Number seven, rejoice often. Rejoice often. Rejoice often. When, when is the last time you just said, I'm going to rejoice today? Not at the end of the day after you saw how the day play, played out, but at the, in the morning when you woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to have joy all day long. I'm going to rejoice in all circumstances and in all things today. I'm just, I'm just going to determine today to rejoice. I'm going to do that. Listen, we're jumping ahead. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So it doesn't matter what happens today. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. You can wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm full of joy and I'm going to rejoice in all things today. Well, you don't even know how the day's going to go. It doesn't matter because I'm not trying to get through a day. I'm not trying to bring attention to myself. I'm not trying to get ahead. I'm not trying to earn a buck. I'm working hard to bring glory and honor to the chandelier, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I just want to be a good light. I just want to be a good light bulb that says, you know, I'm going to rejoice. Boom, look how extravagant he is. Look how beautiful he is. Look how amazing he is. He has a plan and a purpose for my life. Man, he picks me up when I'm down. He brings me hope when I'm hopeless. He fills me with faith when I'm faithless. He gives me everything I need. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. When, I, when I, my heart is full of sorrow and it's weighted down, he's the glory and the lifter up in my head. I'm going to be the best light I can be and bring glory and honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. It doesn't matter what the house looks like. Man, when the light comes on in that chandelier, everybody looks up and says, wow, look at that. What about you? Are you a good light bulb? What about you? Are you bringing glory and honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? If not, guess what? You can change it today. So Lord, we ask, God, for your power. God, we ask for your strength to be that light that brings glory and honor to the brilliance of you, the chandelier. So when people look, they will see you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, I pray for each and every one of us today. God, that we would move forward God, we work hard to, to show the, the results of what you've done in our life. And we work hard to bring glory and honor to your name and to be a great light in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.